When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks, and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to your weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Hi, right, everybody. Welcome once again. It's Red Sox beat without any actual Red Sox. I'm Josh Lewin, your host. I took this thing over from the great Chris Cotillo, who's become even greater the last week or so. We'll explain why that is in a moment. Appreciate you being with us. And, of course, CLNS doing a monstrously terrific job right now, keeping all these podcasts afloat. It's not easy, as I'm sure you're aware, in this current State of affairs, current economy, everything else. But we appreciate the sponsors. We appreciate you guys most of all. And as we try to get through this, all of us together, and we're going to talk to Chris Catello from Mass Live in just a bit about where we all go baseball-wise. But as you're all probably aware, so much of it right now is just trying to tread water and, and keep our heads up and stay positive and, and be supportive of one another as human beings. And here's Chris Cotillo, who I'm guessing this was born, what he's doing now, uh, out of just a desire to try to do something halfway decent. And what started out as, hey, let's try to raise, I don't know, 30 bucks or 40 bucks and see where it goes. We're now at $30,000 and counting in this incredible project he's put together. So, Chris, I want to let you fill everybody in on what exactly it is. And then I want to speak for you on how it came to be. Does this project does fundraiser have an actual name right now? No, it doesn't. People have asked that, whether it be uh, Cards for Causes or something like that. But it's just an organic uh, thing that I started a week ago yesterday, auctioning off baseball cards and autographs that I accumulated when I was growing up. You know, I was the kid, the big baseball fan in elementary school and middle school. I used to, you know, growing up here, I used to go to Fenway and a accumulate as many autographs as I could from the Red Sox, from opposing players, and was able to get some really good ones uh, during those years, which were basically, I I think, about 2009 through uh, 2011 and and earlier than 2009, you know, 07, 08. Uh, So I have not a lot of current players because I've been, you know, covering the Red Sox now. This would 
if there's a season will be my third season. And I was working for SB nation covering baseball for years before that. So no autographs in the clubhouse, but I had a lot accumulated from going as a fan growing up. And uh, about a week ago, I just kind of thought, you know, I have a lot of these, uh, I should maybe organize them or something, or maybe I can do something different with them. And after a little while decided, you know, this might be an opportunity to give back. I put an Adrian Beltre one up for bids on Twitter. It got up to $75 and I thought, wow, that's pretty good. I imagine, you know, you know, that kind of seems like someone's really willing to pay for it and uh, put five or six more up that night just out of my own collection. It was at about $550 after night one. And then with a lot of celebrity contributions with a lot of, you know, very, very generous donors and generous bidders, um, it began to snowball throughout last week and we were able to get some really, really cool items and push it uh, in just a week to over 30,000. And for me, there's no end in sight because if there's no baseball season, I don't have a ton to do. I'm <laughs> just hanging out back here in central Massachusetts and uh, we'll see how, how far we can get this thing. Who knew a 2010 Adrian Beltre would be the exactly. you know, Mrs. O'Leary's cow that started the Chicago fire here. So you, you've become basically, as you put it, an amateur auctioneer. Right. You know, and we got to remind people that it's all for COVID-19 relief efforts. You're not making a dime off of this. Mm-hmm. How quickly have you become Mr. FedEx, uh, the, the packing expert, the shipping expert? Is that something you used to do a lot of anyway? But how's that going? A uh, tiny bit. You know, when I was in middle school, I would trade and buy stuff on eBay and stuff. And so I, I did a little bit, but I haven't done anything at this scale or anything like this, um, anything like this in for 10 years. So. It's different. Um, I'm actually, uh, I live in Boston during normal times, but I'm back with the family uh, for now. It's because, you know, we all thought we'd be together for, you know, if we have to stay at home and that's obviously great. So been able to uh, get the family, my parents and and my sister into helping with some of the mailing stuff, which has been fun. We have kind of an assembly line going on here. It's not, this is not what I expected to be doing at almost 25, being at home and doing an assembly line mailing things, but here we are making the most out of the situation. So, um, yeah, they've been helpful and, uh, we've been trying to get out, get a, stay ahead of things. Um, it's the whole process, you know, it's a, it's a, I guess, you know, just me kind of running the auctions all on Twitter, making sure that I get every winner, right. Making sure the addresses are right and ordering. I think Amazon might be out of bubble mailers because of how many I've ordered in the last couple of weeks and then trying to ship it all out. So, um, it's nice when someone donates because I ask that they mail, uh, they mail out their own stuff. So it's easy. Once that auction ends, send them the address, and it's kind of out of my hands from that point. So those are nice. Um, but there's still a ton of my own stuff here um, that I haven't put up yet. So uh, that's still to come, and, and a lot of really cool stuff from donors that we'll be doing throughout the rest of the week and maybe into the future. What's been the biggest surprise in terms of who's reached out to you? I know almost immediately, all of a sudden, you know, I'm checking your Twitter and there's Alex Cora saying, you know, just kind of blowing people out of the water. And, I, and, and you know, he says, I'm going to bid 100 on this thing that people were bidding, what, 30 or 40 on. Right. How did that all happen? And have you stayed in touch with Alex since? I have. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. He kind of was the one that uh, kind of elevated this, I think. The first night there was a Jason Veritek autograph up. He bid $100 on it, which, you know, I thought, that's kind of funny. It's, and also unfair to the, the fan bidding 30 because Alex can just text Jason Veritek, who he won two World Series with in 07 and 18, and, and get anything he wants from him, you know. But I, obviously he was doing it uh, to raise money. And then I asked him if he could sweeten the pot, and he donated a pair of uh, signed turfs that he wore 
uh, while he was the manager of the Red Sox. Uh, we ended up splitting those up at 550 each. Um, and he also matched. So his pair of shoes went for 1650 to the Greater Boston Food Bank. Had a lot of really cool items uh, come back, come in like that in the last couple of weeks. You know, not just Alex donating, but Ken Rosenthal donating a signed bow tie, which is a really unique item that went for, I think, $300. Nesson donated an all-access package. The Red Sox donated a Xander Bogart signed jersey. And now over the weekend, we saw a bunch of my uh, BBWAA friends starting to contribute. Dan Hayes in Minnesota, Evan Grant in Texas had some cool items. And, uh, you know, Dan Hayes, just with uh, 10 to 12, uh, I think 10 to 15 cards, they were able to raise 1300 for a local food bank in Chicago where he lives. So um, it, it's been crazy to see this all come together. I know there's other people in other sports. Mike Giardi from NFL Network is going to be is doing the same thing and he's raised i think 12 to 15,000 as of you know this call so and that's with the nfl draft three days away i couldn't imagine actually doing it when we have a game event but he's uh he's been doing a great job so yeah i think you know it's um it's cool because we all have these huge platforms i know you do josh and everybody who covers baseball for uh we probably have bigger platforms than we we might deserve it sometimes we're talking about a kid's game but here we are, and, and with you know the number of Twitter followers I have, the reach that I have with all the people that follow me and the people I know, I figured you know that at some point you got to turn that into something really good. So hopefully we've done that so far over seven, eight days, and like I said, keep it rolling. No, you're absolutely nailing it, and I can speak from experience because I you know I mean I've got a decent Twitter following too. All I was able to get at least so far, I, I put together this weird uh, Mexican jumping bean league. Uh, for a week and a half, and it was racing jumping beans around my kitchen and had people, you know, the, the whole premise was, hey, you know, you, you donate 20 bucks, you get to pick your bean, support a bean. Uh, you know, I worked really hard on it and, and raised like $1,300. You're at 30000 right now and counting. And it seems like, too, my guess is there have probably been losers of these auctions that, you know, maybe they donated 50 but somebody donated 60 and they're getting in touch with you, I'm guessing, and saying, hey, take my 50 anyway, right? Yeah, for sure. That's been huge. You know, I wrote a notes column on or Sunday that was, you know, my weekly notes column that's usually digging into some baseball topic. But I said, I just want to talk about what I've seen because it's not, you know, and, and we've I've done a few different hits on the news. I just did a, uh, a hit with Nesson and obviously this and a lot of things where I'm talking about how I launched this. And yes, it was my idea. A very simple one just from the beginning. But the important thing is that I'm just kind of the middleman now, you know, like I have to ship the stuff and I have to organize it and it takes some time, but there are hundreds and hundreds of people that have made this thing huge in the last week. That's the bidders, the donors, the losers, as you mentioned. Um, and I, I've been shocked You know, I've had a lot of people DM me and say, yeah, well, you know, I, I lost, but I just got my stimulus check from the government and I don't really need it. There's people who need it more than me. And when they announced that I was getting it, I wanted to donate it anyway. You know, these are tough times for everybody, obviously. And um, to have people say that kind of stuff, it just kind of gives you hope. And, and as I wrote in that column, you know, it gives you hope in a time where there's not a lot of it for anybody. So um, it's been, you know, I've been awestruck by some of the stuff I've seen, you know, a, a person lost, or, or won an auction. The other person involved is for a Jared Salto Mafia card. You know, not not a Hall of Famer by any means, a solid player and 13 for the Red Sox. But someone bid 50, someone bid uh, 60, and the $50 person was really really into it and and lost out in the last five seconds. And uh, right. the other person 
the per- the winner said, you know what, uh, give him the car and I'll still donate though. You know, that kind of stuff, but you just, it's the little behind the scenes stuff and stuff that I wrote about in that column, um, which was one of my favorites that I've done, at least in that Sunday note space. So yeah, it's been, it's been incredible. I, um, I'm, you know, I guess as the face getting the credit and, and talking about it, mostly to spread the word, but it's, um, it's stuff like that. It's people, you know, bidding and donating and they win a card for 105 and they turn it into 150 and send me the screenshot. And, you know, the 150 goes toward the total or friends and family of mine don't want the cards, uh, colleagues, um, guys that, you know, from being around Fenway saying, I don't have any need for any of your cards, but uh, I donated 250 bucks, put that toward your total. Um, people winning the auctions and saying, thank you so much. Uh, keep the cards. I'll make the donation, put them up again, you know, that kind of thing. So it's been crazy. Yeah. I, uh, I, I put this on Facebook to my friends and family yesterday. I said, uh, who would have thought Twitter would be the place we turn for hope, but, uh, here we are. Exactly. Well, and isn't it funny that, you know, I mean, not to get too philosophical here, but you and I are taping this on what would have been, uh, race day would have been marathon day today in Boston. And, you you know you obviously think back to to when the bombing happened it mm-hmm. brought out so much good in so many people the tragedy really did make a, a lot of people kind of rally and help their fellow man more than i think they they normally would have you right. know i go back to you know to 911 and you know i mean it's the same thing in new york at that point and that to me it's like the only only upside of the pandemic which is just you know i mean so indescribably awful in so many ways but you are seeing i think just a a much better needle move on basic humanity right now and as you put in your piece people want to feel good about doing something yeah for sure you know we've seen that and uh i was talking to uh, another red Sox beat writer last week and he said you know man we're just all sitting here or we're kind of helpless and we're watching the news and hoping that nobody in our family is affected by this, hoping we're not laid off, hoping we're not furloughed, all that type of stuff. And there's nothing we can do because we are sitting at home. You know, I think in a lot of things and when a lot of tragedies and, and crises happen, you know, you'll see these huge vigils and people come together and they're able to hug each other and feel that sense of human connection. This one's obviously the opposite because outside of the three or four people in your house, usually you can't. And, um, so I think that's different. I think it's the people have to be connected in other ways. And obviously being able to do that, uh, through Twitter is, has been incredible. Um, people have been extremely receptive to it and, uh, it's been over and over and over again. I've been shocked by some of the stuff that I've seen. And by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell people that the easiest way to get involved is just go to Chris's Twitter feed at Chris Cotillo, which is C-O-T-I-L-L-O. And from there, it's just a waterfall of information. Uh, I want to get, Chris, to some things that we think might happen regarding actual baseball and maybe even the actual Red Sox in a moment. Quick reminder from our friends at Bet Online. want to get this to you, too. With, with obviously no NBA, no NHL, no MLB, uh, there are still things to bet on. It's our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still having hundreds of events and games and props that you can wager on from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They're always bringing the Vegas to you. You know that. But if you're missing the NFL, Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 sims that you can wager on. And if you're into entertainment betting, there's Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol. You can bet on the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. You can bet on stocks. 
everything's open 24 hours a day. It's all online. So go to the website or use your mobile device. Join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. All right, how about a solution to this baseball season, Chris? Uh, obviously, we've been through the machinations, wondering out loud, a hundred different possibilities. Looks like the the absolute best thing we can hope for right now is baseball in a bubble. And I don't know if you read Joel Sherman's column in the New York Post, but I thought he had it just right. He was quoting a, a player agent who basically said, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, we can take a few more liberties on a podcast than he can even in the New York Post. Right. But the player agent said, so if I came up to you and said, do you want me to kick you in the shins or do you want me to kick you in the balls? Mm-hmm. You, you, would, you would choose shins, but only because you have to choose something. You know, and right. basically the Arizona... Uh, option that's the shins i mean it's a terrible option nobody wants this but it's the only thing that that's better than a kick in the nuts and so i mean are we close to actually having some sort of clarity on what that might look like and is it going to be kind of like what's going on in japan where you have all good intentions all right we're going to start it on day x and then it's like oops somebody's contagious day y oops there's something else we didn't see day you know now it's day z uh how do you think it's all going to go yeah, well, baseball is one thing in its favor. It's that no major leaguers, or I believe no one on 40-man rosters, is known to have tested positive. The NBA obviously had a bunch of guys that did. Um, you know, the, NFL, the NHL, which was in-season, did. The NFL even not being in-season, you know, Von Miller and a couple other people. But there have been no baseball players, knock on wood. So that is actually something that bodes well so far. Uh, I know there's been minor leaguers and other people in the game that have been affected. But um, I think, you know, you, you hit it right on. I think they're they're – Looking at these plans, the Arizona plan looks like the most likely. Jeff Passan put it as it's Arizona or bust for Major League Baseball right now, and they're not going to risk that bust option. They're going to try everything they can to play. I think it's going to be a really unique situation. I don't know if reporters are going to be allowed or what the situation is going to be there. So we'll have to wait and see on that part. But um, it is, it's been crazy just to kind of look at uh, some of these rule, possible rule changes, whether that be an electronic strike zone or guys not sitting at a dugout but sitting six feet away from each other in the stands uh, and, and kind of how they live their lives going back and forth from the hotel to the ballpark. And that would be it because they can't do anything else. So, um, you know, the, the league and the Players Association continue to talk about these different scenarios. I think that basically um, – what they're going to do is as they're laying out these proposals and ideas, if they get close enough on one, they'll say, all right, we have this agreement and it's going to be ready to roll when we get all of the necessary uh, parties to give it a thumbs up. That's all the health organizations. That's the government. That's the players, the league, everybody. And they're going to say this is going to be completely ready to go and kind of push a button and and all systems go at least to start it. And we'll see kind of what ramifications happen if obviously someone gets infected it's going to be uh, they're going to have to prepare for that a lot of contingency plans involving that so um it's it's crazy it's just a crazy crazy theory that is not perfect but uh it's what they have right now in front of them and it seems like it's the thing that they are most focused on as they try to get a baseball season played do you think guys will be able to opt out basically say hell no i'm not doing that I'm just not. I mean, Clayton Kershaw has basically already come out and said, you guys do whatever you want, but I don't like this and I'm not doing it. Uh, what's the, the ramifications of that? I mean, are, are players, managers, coaches, can they just kind of disassociate and say, I'm not in on this? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big question right now. We've seen a lot of players say that they don't want to. Um, 
And so you get to a certain place where it's like, what's the point? You know, if I think Clayton Kershaw was vocal, as you said, Mike Trout is someone who uh, his wife has a baby due at some point over late summer. Um, usually that would be a one or two day thing away from the team, um, which players always do and are entitled to. But this would be totally a different, obviously a totally different situation. If you have Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout and all these guys saying, yeah, I, I can't do this. And you have basically the equivalent of replacement players, then. I guess there is enough money-wise for owners to want to get those games played, for TV rights holders to force those games to be played. But what are we going to look at as a 2020 World Series winner? Uh, maybe it doesn't matter when you look back at history or it has an asterisk in history. So there's so much to unpack. It's crazy. And until we have kind of a more concrete plan, uh, it's tough to really even come up with theories. But I think that is a huge concern, as you mentioned. A lot of players... Uh, are not willing to do it. A lot of players are skeptical about doing it. And, and we'll see what these rosters look like. I mean, let's say the 10 best players on Team A don't want to go. Well, then that team is done. You know, they're going to have a, a team of minor leaguers and guys like that who, hey, if you're a 4A guy and you're the starter at your position doesn't want to play, you're, you'd, go to the, you'd go to Mars to get a chance to play in the majors, make whatever the major league salary looks like, get your name out there and get on TV and, and have a chance to perform. So, um, might not end well going against whatever major league pitching is out there, but there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of balls in the air on that, and um, a lot of guys that definitely might be skeptical of it. So many things to ponder. I mean, including if the Red Sox were to somehow magically win this weird shortened season, there, there's no duck boat parade. I mean, right? right? We can't all assemble like that. I don't know if they'll have to worry about that one. Well, that's an, another point for just slightly later in our conversation. <laughs> Hopefully, you've got another five minutes because I'm yeah. You're, as always, a great guest, uh, you know, and, and not to, to go way off on a tangent, but I, I read somewhere and this is so true that in a in a bizarre way, thank goodness, the Kansas City Chiefs rallied past the 49ers in the Super Bowl because, you know, one of the huge coronavirus hotspots right around that time and nobody knew it was San Francisco. If the 49ers right. win that Super Bowl, you've got a million people hip to hip right at the height of coronavirus to, you know, to party. That, that could have been ridiculously awful. So uh, things we never thought we'd think about, here we are thinking about. I want to know when we get to think about uh, maybe getting something from MLB about this supposed Red Sox, uh, here, here's what happened to you because of potential cheating. We, we haven't heard a thing. We, I mean, we heard from Manfred three weeks ago, well, the investigation's done. We basically just need to type it up. And I understand everybody's got more pressing issues. I totally understand that. With everybody out of work right now, they can't hire one typist? Where, where, where are we in that? <laughs> well, the complicating issue here, and it was something that uh, Rob Amford said at the press conference he did in Florida that everybody, all accounts went horribly, that I actually attended uh, in Northport at the Braves' new facility, which is very nice, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, he said that I actually write out these reports myself and take the time to sit down and do them. He doesn't have some intern or some assistant do it. So that is, I think, a, a common misconception that even talking to people in the Red Sox organization or people who are involved with this, then what, you know, what's taking so long. So, well, Rob writes his own reports. But really? Yeah, that, he does. So that is, a, that's like next level Bud Selig crap, right? <laughs> it's yeah, it's crazy. I, I would never have imagined it. If I can, I have a position that's about one, one thousandth uh, as important as Rob Manfred. And if I can delegate anything, I will. So the fact that he chooses not to is beyond me, but uh, he, he apparently doesn't. So um, 
he, I'm sure, is working on it when he can in between the gaps of all the negotiations of the billion things on his plate right now. But if he's intent on writing that report himself, it's going to be uh, definitely down the priority list. I think we just reached 100 days uh, since the opening of the investigation, 100 days since Alex Cora was fired, which is what happened probably, even though they won't say that. And um, all those different – it's just been crazy. It's been crazy to think that it's been going on so long. Uh, so much has happened with the Red Sox and the world since then. I mean, you think about just with the Red Sox sale, having Tommy John, Mookie Betts being traded, Ron Renneke being hired. Um, and that's just in a, in a hundred days, the world has uh, changed a lot in those a hundred days, but here we are with this uh, science dealing investigation still hanging over our heads. And um, every Monday, just because the Astros investigation dropped on a Monday at two, just to make it front and center every Monday afternoon, Hmm. For the last, I guess, three months, I've thought it's today the day. Um, who knows if it'll come out on a Monday or not. But, um, right. yeah, it was, uh, there was a chance that yeah, I thought it was going to be, you know, last Monday, the Monday before, this Monday. So it hasn't happened yet. But uh, when, when it happens, I'm sure there'll be a ton of coverage of it because there's nothing else to cover. It, it almost seems quaint now that six weeks ago, we were also worked up about the Astros and banging on trash cans. And, right. That, it's amazing to me. That was six weeks ago. That's all we talked about. One of the other things that's kind of fallen through the cracks here, because correctly, we're all so motivated to try to, to figure out our own way with COVID-19 and how it affects everybody. Steve Pierce retired kind of while we were all sleeping. And I know you yep. weren't sleeping on that. You wrote about it in your column. Uh, really, when you think about it, as we all talk about persistence right now and fighting through weird times, he's actually kind of a a metaphor in a weird way. If you go back to 2012, and this is you know basically six years before his World Series MVP, this guy might be the poster child for perseverance. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I think people don't really know where he came from uh, in terms of Red Sox fans. He's a guy who played for every team in the division before the Red Sox. The guy that played for a bunch of different teams and was a huge journeyman before he got to the Red Sox in 2018. And in 2012, as I, I actually wrote in one of the notes yesterday at the bottom of my column, it's just his 2012, I forget exactly how it went, but cut by the twins at the end of spring training. And he was like designated for assignment, waived, purchased and released like eight times throughout the season, six different organizations. And usually when that happens to a guy, and we've seen it happen to a bunch of guys and even guys who uh, were with the Red Sox. We've seen guys, you know, Travis Lakin's the guy who gets DFA two or three times over the winter or. Um, some of these other guys, that's usually the sign that the end is near. If you're outrighted off the 40-man roster, getting back on one is usually tough. Um, in Steve Pierce's case, he was able to hang around for not just a couple years after, but six years after, and at 35 or 36, is the World Series MVP in 2018, uh, maybe one of the most likely World Series MVPs in history, and had a really good you know, four months for the Red Sox after he was acquired in late June was really good against lefties, gave Mitch Moreland a break, uh, something that for the first couple months of the season, they struggled against lefties, and they really fixed that. You know, Dave Dombrowski gets gets a lot of crap for these contracts and doling out these big deals to Sale and Evaldi and some of these guys. But if you look at what he did at the trade deadline in 2018, he got Pierce and Evaldi, who were uh, fantastic, and Ian Kinsler, who, you know, obviously a couple bad plays in the World Series and wasn't awesome down the stretch, but ended up winning a gold glove in 2018, which people don't remember. So, um, you know, Dave Dombrowski did what he needed to do to win a World Series. He hit on those two guys in Pierce and Nivaldi. In 18 and 19, Steve Pierce uh, and Nathan Nivaldi both got hurt early, had um, 
you know, years in which they barely played. Pierce, I think, only played in 20 games and then decided at that point, you know, he was he was done. So um, tough that he was had to endure 2019 and and the Red Sox spent six and a quarter million uh, for uh, basically nothing out of him last year. But we can consider that his World Series MVP bonus from uh, the year before. Before I let you go, I wanted to ask you if you're watching at all the MLB, the show Players League, which is basically a whole bunch of guys who know how to play video games against a bunch of guys who don't. Right. Uh, last I saw, Erod had won two games, I think. Joey Gallo is, is like 12-1 and one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I, I know, you know, Rodriguez is quite the Fortnite guy. He's a little lagging in, in this MLB, the show Players League. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have not really watched any of it just because uh, watching other people play video games is not is not at the top of my list of things, even though uh, if I if this whole auction thing didn't come up, it might have started vaulting towards the top out of boredom. But uh, it has not uh, crossed uh, my screen yet. I think it is it is kind of funny because Erod is, you know, maybe on the Red Sox is currently constructed like the biggest vocal Fortnite guy. He flew to Las Vegas to play. Uh, in a tournament they had at the winter meetings two years ago, came out there, and because we were all walking through the hotel lobby and was like, whoa, whoa why is Erod here? He's apparently playing in a Fortnite tournament against some major minor leaguers. And now, you know, we've seen him put up his Twitch streams, which um, I've also not watched, but he's been playing with Bogarts on Fortnite. So big huh. into Fortnite is a different skill to play MLB The Show. We've seen, you can tell some guys like Joey Gallo, like Blake Snell, are really into it and, and that, you know, along with a lot of these things that are going on in the esports world are, are, is all for charity. I believe all for the boys and girls clubs of America. So now uh, all for a good cause there, even if Erod has to take it on the chin for a couple weeks and, and maybe lose most of the 29 round robin games he'll play against his major league counterparts there. Well, and that's a great way to, to remind people just to kind of segue since we're talking about doing things for charity. Chris Cotillo has been our guest, and he has put together, he's become this accidental philanthropist who has been just top of the charts in terms of moving product, raising money. One more time, Chris, at Chris Cotillo, that's the best way to, to find your auctions that are ongoing? Yeah, it's all up there. Chris, C-O-T-I-L-L-O. We have a lot going up all week. I do have to get back to doing my normal job at some point, so maybe a little oh. bit less here and there, but I know it's no fun. Um, but my bosses have been cool about it so far. But uh, at some point, you know, there's things to be written. And uh, hopefully we can uh, keep keep rolling with the auction as well. Last one for you, because of what I, and you've got a podcast going now on Mass Live, too, which is great. The Fenway Rundown. Want to make sure people know about that. Uh, the podcast I've been running off on the side here, the Throwback League. Uh, this week's game, and I'll, I'll bring it up to you here because you were were you born in 95? I was, yeah. Okay, so it's the 95 Indians against the 1990 Joe Oliver Cincinnati Reds this week. It's, it's the All-Ohio Cup, I suppose. Uh, you want to hazard a guess? I, I won't do a spoiler alert, but uh, from what you know of the Eric Davis-ish, Marge Schott-owned 90 Reds against a Manny Ramirez, etc., Albert Bell, <laughs> 1995 Cleveland team, uh, who would you pick in this matchup? I, you know what? I have no idea because those were uh, two teams that played their seasons. One right before I was born, and right five years before I was born. But uh, Manny Ramirez is maybe the best right-handed swing ever. So we'll go with the Indians based on only that. I am. I do know my baseball history a little bit, but it is hard to venture a guess on things that happened while I was either still in the womb or just an <laughs> idea and the, and the parents and the uh, heads of my parents. So. Hey. 
a very, very honest answer, which I appreciate. <laughs> and and uh, the, the throwback league, by the way, the, the podcast is up. It's out uh, with a new one every Monday. Hopefully people are enjoying that. I'm sure they'll enjoy your new podcast, Chris. Again, it's called the Fenway Rundown. Thank you for bringing us up to speed on what you're doing and, and obviously continue your great work to get this thing from 30 bucks to 30,000 bucks in basically a week is enormous. And, and I think for all of Red Sox Nation, thank you for, for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for having me and spreading the word. And thanks, like I said, to the hundreds of people that have uh, contributed so far. We'll be back next week with more Red Sox beat, hopefully with some upbeat news. Thanks again to Chris Cotillo. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Josh Lewin. Bye-bye.